0: Tuesday edition here on the ref you have Parker over covering the Brent Venables press conference he'll probably join us my guess would be around uh, 1230 today welcome in everybody we've got uh, myself Mike Steely along with uh, Connor Pasby today for probably the first half hour as we get ready for Oklahoma Nebraska Coming up Saturday morning, at 11 a.m. in Lincoln. The Sooners are a 12 point favorite. Is this a bad scenario for Oklahoma? Would it have been a better scenario if Scott Frost would have been a lame duck coach over there on the sidelines for the Huskers? Is it a better scenario for Nebraska to get a little extra juice, a little extra energy, maybe a little bit of a just a different feel in that locker room with Nikki Joseph? on the sidelines. We'll wait and see when they kick it off Saturday morning at 11 a.m. there in Lincoln. Now Nebraska's issue has been defense. I'm not saying the offense is the 83 triplets or Tommy Frazier and Lawrence Phillips, but they've been able to move the football. Nebraska averaging 36 points a game. They are currently 24th in the country in total offense, averaging 492 yards a game. Guess what? That's better than Oklahoma. The Sooners our, uh, I believe Oklahoma was 44th in the country, averaging 461. So Nebraska has been moving the football. Casey Thompson has had a pretty decent year. He's completing 64% of his passes. Uh, and, again, he's also had four rushing touchdowns. He's thrown four touchdowns through the air. Uh, 289 yards a game through the air, and again, he has thrown three interceptions, but they also have a good running back, the Huskers do, an Anthony Grant, averaging just over six yards a carry with five TDs. And again, Nebraska's biggest issue has not been the offense. I'm not saying, again, this is a great Nebraska offense, but it's a good Nebraska offense. The defense? Oh, <laughs> it is ugly. Nebraska is 124th in total defense in the country. They are giving up 492 yards a game. They gave up a record for an opponent at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln last week to Georgia Southern, coached by Clay Helton. They gave up 642 yards. Again, that was a record for an opponent in Lincoln against Nebraska. Sooners are 45th in the country in total defense, 305 yards a game. So their defense has been a lot better than Nebraska's, certainly. And uh, you see – things that Oklahoma's doing better this year. They're better tackling. They didn't tackle quite as well, I didn't think, in game two. But it looks like they're on the way to play a better defense. Sooner fans feel better about that. But Nebraska cannot stop anybody. They also got pushed around in that first game against Northwestern. It looked like they wore down their defensive line. Remember, they got O'Shaun Mathis coming through the portal. He hasn't been a huge factor. And they could not stop the run either. So the Sooner offense... You can't turn the ball over. You can't have 3 and outs like you did against Kent State because Nebraska is going to score some on Oklahoma. What do you think the Sooners would give up to Nebraska? 24, 28 maybe on a on a bad day, maybe 31, something like that. I don't know. But Nebraska is going to be able to move the football some on Oklahoma. I also think what you need to do if you're the Sooners, you go out and you hit that Nebraska team right in the mouth. Right off the bat.
1: Make an early statement.
0: Yes, because you don't want to give that team hope in that matchup. You can't have a turnover early in the game, a pick six or a fumble, you know, inside your own 30-yard line or something that gives Nebraska a short field. You need to go out there and prove you're the bully in this matchup. Nebraska's the 98-pound weakling with no confidence right now. You make a statement early in this game. You don't give Nebraska hope. You suffocate their hope early in the matchup, and you can do that by, you know, stuffing them on the first series. Maybe you give up a couple first downs, but you get off the field, and then your offense goes down the field and scores. You make an early statement. You get the ball first. You march right down the field. No messing around. Uh, Better execution. You certainly need better blocking on the offensive line than what you had in the first half, which was dismal last week. That's That kind of effort they threw out there in the first half offensively, that's going to lose you three games, maybe four games. I mean, you think you beat Kansas State with that kind of effort? Now, again, it was much, much better in the second half. And the Sooners got on track – you know, it's always a good idea, maybe when you're struggling, to get the football to your best player and let him make some plays. And they did that with Marvin Mims. I like that attitude. Uh, and Oklahoma's a better football team. They should go in here and win this game by a couple touchdowns in Lincoln. But, again, you can't give Nebraska early hope in this game. Those fans are starving for a victory. Those players, they don't feel like winners right now. You know, maybe Mickey Joseph is giving them a different message, and maybe that's going to give them a little extra energy again. Oklahoma coming to town is going to produce a little extra adrenaline, and the blood's going to be flowing. And if you get off to a good start and the Sooners stumble around, all of a sudden, (laughs) hey, we might be able to win this thing. How many times have we seen that when you get an underdog in a situation where you give them hope, you give them life with your poor play, all of a sudden you're in a dogfight? And yeah, and it gives him that.
1: gives him so much confidence too, Mike. But, I mean, I see Oklahoma being able to move the ball. It's just getting stops with uh, Casey Thompson. That's the big one. Nebraska's had no problems moving the ball so far this season. Their defense has been just losing them the first two games. Their defense is really bad, and it showed in that week one against Northwestern. Northwestern put up 500 yards, and that was the first time they've done that in over three years. So that says a lot about that Nebraska defense.
0: Well, yeah, and last week, again, Georgia Southern coming to town, and they they couldn't stop them. They just couldn't stop them. 642 yards uh, surrendered to that team as they lose the game there in front of the home fans. Uh, The black shirts have basically turned into the pink shirts in Lincoln, Nebraska, because that Nebraska defense was always really good, man, seemed to be really good back in the days when they were winning championships with Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne. I can still remember Larry Jacobson and Rich Glover and Willie Harper and, you know, Broderick Thomas and, uh, you know, all the great uh, Nebraska players that they've had, um, you know, for years and years and years. Now, they haven't been, you know, nearly as good on either side of the ball recently, but this bad, Nebraska should be never uh, never be this bad on the defensive side of the ball. By the way, the interim coach, Mickey Joseph. You might remember Mickey Joseph played against the Sooners. I believe was it was at the 91-92 or 92 game. Gary Gibbs was the coach. Oklahoma beat Nebraska. The Sooner defense knocked Mickey Joseph out of the game. They broke his leg in a tackle over on the sidelines. Mickey Joseph was a pretty highly touted quarterback back in the day for the Huskers. And uh, Oklahoma beat that Mickey Joseph team. Uh, one of Gary Gibbs' bigger victories. I think you think uh, they beat A&M, they beat Syracuse, they they beat that Nebraska team. They just, just didn't beat those teams enough, obviously, particularly Texas, Nebraska, Colorado. But that was a big win for Gary Gibbs and Mickey Joseph was knocked out of the game. He is now the interim head coach of the Huskers. He just is wrapping up his first press conference. Here's a little bit of an exchange. Uh, Mickey Joseph and the Nebraska reporters at his press conference. He was asked, first off, what's have the last 48 hours been like?
2: It's a little weird, you know? Didn't wake up Sunday morning knowing this was gonna happen, but it did. Had to accept it. And my message to the team was, I know you're hurting. Frost is like a brother to me. He gave me an opportunity to come here and coach at my alma mater, coach at the University of Nebraska. I would always love him and always appreciate him. I was always respect him. The kids would always love him. But I know they were hurting. But at the end of the day, it's going that ball's gonna kick off on Saturday. So mentally we had to get him back and get him ready.
1: Coach, first African American head coach at your alma mater. Explain what that means.
2: Like I said, it's about Nebraska. Football. It's bigger than me. I haven't really thought about that. Because I, I've been a football coach, I've been a black football coach all my life, but I never thought about that. I was, I'm more concerned about the boys and getting the boys ready to play on Saturday. It's bigger than me. This can
1: create the idea of a fresh start, a spark. How do you, how do you bring that to a team in a short week, not a full offseason? season this is starting from scratch.
2: Just like right. you said, we tell them we start from scratch. We move everything, everything to the past and we start from here. We have, nine, we have nine more opportunities and we're capable of winning games. And that's why I understand the first, the first opportunity is this weekend against OU. A really, a really really good opponent. Really good football team. In what ways do
0: you address the issues on defense in, in your new role?
2: Well, I met with Coach, Coach Shins. And um, we're gonna play faster We're gonna tackle in practice. We're gonna detail what we're doing with our kids. We're gonna make our kids hold themselves accountable. And we try to fix the problems.
1: Trev said the other
2: day that you are a guy who's gonna give this team hope. How will you do that? Confidence and let them know that I believe in them, block out the noise, block out the noise, what everybody's saying, and come, come, to, the, come to the building every day, to prepare to win that practice, and knowing that you're capable of getting the job done, and don't doubt yourself. And that's what I'm feeding them. I'm feeding them confidence.
0: There you go, Mickey Joseph talking to the uh, Nebraska media. That uh, press conference wrapped up a few minutes ago. Brent Venables' presser is still ongoing right now. In Norman, that's where Parker Thune is right now, covering Brent's presser. He'll be back, I would say. We'll probably have Parker uh, around 1230, 1240 today. And In the meantime, the uh, the able-bodied, very talented Connor Pasby is here with me on uh, this Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. By the way, want to let everybody know I'm going to be out at Ricky Stapleton Auto's On 24th, right up uh, Main Street over by Hobby Lobby. I'm going to be at Ricky Stapleton Auto's, high school buddy of mine. Great dude, Ricky Stapleton. They've got great deals for you over there. And this Thursday, while I'm out there, Lucky's food truck is going to be on site. They're going to have a pregame Nebraska kickoff party happening Thursday this week. So I will be out there from noon to two, coming up noon to two, rather, coming up uh, this Thursday at Ricky Stapleton Autos, uh, 24th in Maine, right over by the Hobby Lobby area. You can't miss it over there. And Lucky's Food Truck will be on site for a little pregame Nebraska party. Come get some great food and look for some great deals on vehicles there at Ricky Stapleton Autos. Okay. Thank you to our first hour sponsor, our friend Tim Lasher and his company. Tim Lasher. Uh, great Sooner Kicker, great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. If you need some AC work done right now, that AC's probably been working overtime. It's cooled off a little bit, but they've been working hard, man. All those air conditioning units might need a little help right now. If you need some, call Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. That's 405 405- 579 Five seven 9, 13. We'll take an opening timeout. We'll come back and uh, talk more Oklahoma, Nebraska. We'll have some Brent Venables audio coming up. We will hear from Sooner Ethan Downs talking about the matchup and Jeff Levy when we get back right here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Okay, we are going to call an audible here. We'll hear from uh, Ethan Downs and Jeff Levy here in a little bit. Welcome back, Steelman and Thune without Thune. Thune will be showing up here in a little bit. He is covering Brent's press conference uh, over at OU right now. And uh, we do have Connor Pasby with us. Glad to have you with us. We'll get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in just a bit, 405-651-3439. October 28th of 2000, that was the day that Oklahoma football came back like Lazarus. The red October month, you know, when you think of the Texas game and the Kansas State game, but number one, Nebraska coming into Norman, that was going to be, you know, what people would consider Oklahoma really being back. Bob Stoops' first year, 7-5, and five, not bad, considering where the Souter program was in a very deep valley during the uh, Schnelly and Blake years. And to an extent, the Gary Gibbs years as well. And uh, Sooner fans were starving to be a player on the national scene again. And they really became that player again when they beat Nebraska 31-14, to October 28th of 2000. Nebraska jumped out to a 14 to nothing lead. They were number one in the country coming in. And you're thinking, oh well, maybe this Oklahoma team's really good, but maybe they're not Nebraska good. The Sooners reeled off 31 straight points after that. You think about some of the plays made, the, uh, the touchdown pass, Josh Heupel. You had uh, Andre Wolfolk's big catch. Was it, it was Curtis Fagan, I believe, on the uh, touchdown catch, if I'm not mistaken. I, you know, I'm old. I could be wrong. And then, of course, the Derrick straight pick six, and the Sooners win that game 31-14. to 14. Brent Venables on that staff. And uh, Brent was asked about that uh, Oklahoma victory over Nebraska in 2000 memories and what it meant to the program. And Brent Venables got you know, a little bit emotional talking about that sooner win over the Huskers back in 2000.
3: And then we went 31 unanswered, really. Oh, what a great – and all I remember, they tore down them, them goal posts out there. <laughs> So they tore down, <laughs> tore down the goalpost post in Norman, Oklahoma, which we know they don't do. And uh, I remember all, <laughs> I'm ashamed now because I wasn't celebrating. I'm like, thinking like, we just, whatever, it was one versus two. And I'm literally thinking, I gotta get home. I gotta get sleep because we gotta, we got. You know, I can't remember his case, Kansas or somebody the next. We're going to get beat next week if I don't get home. So I'm literally driving through the campus on the sidewalks. So I got to get home. All these crazy people, you know, celebrating. And I got to get some sleep because you know we. I always like my role was the most important role. That's how I always felt.
0: Brent Venables talking about Oklahoma beating Nebraska on that uh, memorable. October day back in 2000. Had to compose himself a couple times there. Got very emotional thinking about how big that victory was. And that was, uh, you know, the catalyst that put the Sooners number one in the country. And it was a 1-3 matchup. Nebraska was one. Oklahoma was actually three. And then uh, the Sooners win that game. It was a crazy, wild, festive night in Norman. Sooner football had officially been stamped back. Not
1: Sam Ellinger back. We're talking about really being back. I know Oklahoma doesn't do it anymore, but tearing down the goalposts is pretty neat. Dude, that I remember the, the
0: the pepper spray was out. You had a pepper spray incident because the students were rushing the field. It was it was crazy, and uh, that began again the the real resurgence of Oklahoma football as a national contender year after year after year. It was a uh, it was a great day in Norman. It was an overflow crowd. It was unbelievable. Nebraska had uh Eric Crouch at quarterback who eventually would win the Heisman. You had uh they had uh I think it was Correll Buckhalter was the running back. They had Bobby Newcomb at wide receiver. The Sooners of course with Josh Heupel and uh, Q Griffin. They had uh, big plays in that game again from uh, Andre Woolfolk and from Heupel and of course the Derek Straight pick 6 again was was kind of the icing on the cake that day as Oklahoma beat Nebraska thirty-one to fourteen. So Brent's an emotional guy, man, and he had to. We've got that video out on our ref Twitter account, and uh, he had to compose himself a couple times. And of course, uh, you think about what happened the rest of that season, um, you know. And they did have, you know, Kansas was a little bit of an issue, but um, you think about the A and M victory. The Torrance Marshall pick when that game was very much in doubt. I can still the things I remember most about that game, the Oklahoma A and M game. We moved on to was Torrance Marshall's pick six. There may have been a clip from Rocky Calmus, but it wasn't called. You know, it's it's the football gods pay you back because in the seventy one Nebraska game, there were about three clips on the Johnny Rogers punt return. So eventually, the football deities will pay you back, and uh, that was a huge play for Oklahoma to win that game. The other thing I remember. About that game, because I'm weird, is that Brent kept talking about, and there's Ken Hypel, Josh's father, Ken Hypel. And people are looking like, what? is that Hypel's dad? Come to find out, he was supposed to be in that seat, but wasn't there. So it was some other dude that <laughs> they just funny. kept focusing in on. There's Ken Heupel
1: right there. Some I'm random dude, looking. some yes. random dude's getting the spotlight. It was totally a rando. <laughs>
0: There in College Station, and then he got billed as Ken Hypel at about three cutaway shots during the game. And you know how Brent loves to hype things. Ken hypel has got to be very concerned on this play. The Sooner's in some trouble. There's Ken Hypel looking on. You know, he was crazy. But, uh, you know, I love that passion from Brent Venables, man. I love that and we've seen him break up a couple times, break down, where he you know, he gets very emotional. And it's real. It's not any of this crocodile tears stuff. I saw Mule Shoe with a few tears in his eyes when he met up with fake Pat tears. Fields. <laughs> of course, they're Mule Shoe tears. Everything's fake there. By the way, do you have a – pull up the uh, US, USC defectors clip. We need to light the mood, if you could do that, because I – I thought, you know, that's perfect for the USC defectors. We exclude Brian Odom from this list because he's good with us. Anybody else who went to USC, we, uh, well, we know who you are, and we will never, ever forgive you. Ever. Brian Odom, you're good. But uh, I, I don't know. I just think this clip sums up how we feel still about the USC defectors.
3: And they're tortured by their subconscious for the evil they have done. It will be with thoughts of us that they are tortured with.
0: Sound good?
3: Yes, sir!
0: There we go. Yes. Sound good? Sound good? (laughs) Play that one more time. For Meosu and the USC defectors,
3: please. They're tortured by their subconscious for the evil they have done. It will be with thoughts of us that they are tortured with. Sound good? Yes, sir!
0: Yes. (laughs) That'll lighten up the mood. That's money right there. That's money. Yeah, and uh, the, hopefully their uh, subconsciouses are being tortured right now, even though they're lighting up people on offense. And USC has eight turnovers to their credit with zero going to Rice or Stanford. Who Both teams are moving the ball. I should be thinking about Oklahoma-Nebraska. I'm sorry. Got sidetracked. Yeah, I feel like I might cry too, just like Brent did. So I wanted to move on to some hopefully
1: comic relief there for a minute. So, anyway. Fresno State will probably throw four interceptions Saturday, as we know it.
0: The football gods, why are you shining on those evil people out there? Why? Did they sacrifice something out there on the altar? I mean, why are you rewarding Southern Cal with eight turnovers and three pick sixes? And not only are you rewarding USC with turnovers, but you're – Giving them those turnovers because they have nothing to do with it, of course. But it's like Rice gets inside the 10, 5 yard line a couple times turnover,
1: turnover, pick six, 95 yards. You're giving Alex Grinch credit that he know. does not deserve.
0: Alex Grinch couldn't even buy a turnover at the McDonald's drive through here. And all of a sudden, he's got turnovers aplenty out there at USC. How does that happen? I am very angry. These are, these are obviously these are not the football gods doing this work. These are the football demons who are temporarily winning out there at USC. So, anyway, go Fresno. Okay, uh, more on Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Nebraska coming up. 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. That's 405-651-3439. Let me tell you about my friends at Riverwind Casino. New member seven program. New member seven, if you haven't gotten a wild card, and let's say maybe you've gone out to Riverwind, you just had a meal or something, and uh, maybe you weren't playing the games the first time out there, but you're thinking, i got to come back and play some of these games. Well, guess what? The new member seven program is for you. Sign up, get a wild card. You can win $450 in one day. Find out how at riverwind.com. That's at Riverwind.com. By the way, if you're a player out at Riverwind, many of you went out there quite frequently. Uh, and if you're looking for your favorite electronic gaming machine, you can't find it for whatever reason, there are three new gaming areas out there right now in the Showplace Theater. They have gaming right now because they're undergoing some renovations. Don't worry. The Showplace Theater will be coming back with some great shows eventually. But right now, we've got some gaming going on in there. We've got gaming in the River Lounge and on the Sky Bridge. So, if you can't find your favorite machine, your electronic gaming machine that you always cash out on at Riverwind, look in one of those three new gaming areas. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, break time right here. Steelman and Thune. Thune has arrived, so we'll be back at full strength. But, Connor... Fine job again in short relief, coming in, throwing heat once again. He's a regular Nuke Lelouch, is what he is. He announced his presence with authority. That's what he did. All right, break time right here. We'll come back, check in with Parker, get his thoughts on the Brent Presser. That's coming up next here on The Ref. Thune is back. That's important because uh, his name is on the show. Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network on your Tuesday Head of the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Uh, Coming up here in just a bit, 405-651-3439. So, Parker, uh, aside from Brent uh, getting emotional talking about the 2000 Oklahoma-Nebraska game, what stood out to you at the presser? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, That was a cool moment. Brent's a real That's dude, how, man. Yeah. He's a real dude.
4: That It's all real with him. Absolutely. There is no such thing as manufactured emotions with Brent Venables. And that's nothing new. If you know him, you you paid attention to the comments from recruits and players that get the chance to interact with him on a regular basis. It's 100% real. And that was as real as we have seen Brent Venables in a press conference setting. What else stood out to me, Steely? How about the fact that he openly acknowledged, hey, we tried to get Casey Thompson to Norman this offseason.
0: Yeah, and we talked about that, of course. Uh, but, and that would have been um,
4: a pretty big deal. By the right. way, I just want to reassure you that Demons never win. They okay? don't. The, no, they don't. The Demons rule for a time, but in the end,
0: order is restored. The Demons are always defeated. Look at World War II, right? The good guys won. So the yes.
4: eschatology of USC football should not concern you.
0: Well, yeah. So, yeah, eight, eight turnovers, eight demon-related turnovers so far. That will turn around. There is no doubt about it. Okay, uh, Wanya Morris working out with the scout team. What's what's going on there?
4: Well, he has been working out with the scout team the last few weeks because he's been suspended.
0: Right. So. And then people are looking like, scout. that's like a major demotion. Well, they're not going to put him in with the starters when he's not going to play.
4: Exactly. So The guys I that mean, are going to play are going to be the guys that yeah. practice with the starters. <laughs> so, why would
0: you practice Wadier Morris with the starters group when he's suspended? and he will not play in the first two games. That's why he's been working up. But I saw some people freak out about that. Like, does that mean he's not going to play in Lincoln? He's expected to play. In Lincoln and be in there, correct? That is the expectation. So yes. we'll see. And um, what is your level of concern for this game? Because I got to tell you, I'm a little bit of a sooner panicker. Oh, I know. I I've, I've just always been that way. I don't think I'm negative, Nancy, about everything. I try and keep a positive attitude, but for whatever reason. My mind goes to the worst-case scenario for OU. Maybe that's game. why we
4: have so many boomer-doomers on the text uh, line Maybe. Is because I, that's it, just
0: your legion. I, I, maybe it is. They're, they're, that's where all the boomer-doomers came from. Who knows? Maybe I'm the leader. But, you know, I start thinking, you know what? <sighs> Frost is out of there. They all love Mickey Josephs. I know they're giving up like 1,000 yards every game on defense, but guess what? They're going to play really well against Oklahoma. I mean – And then I think, you know what, Oklahoma should go win that game by two touchdowns. But my first thought always goes to a negative scenario. I don't like that about myself. I need to get counseling. Anybody who wants to volunteer, hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. So, did Venables express any concern over the offensive line? Coming from the 918 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line.
4: No, he wasn't really asked about the offensive line as a whole, to my recollection. All the questions were kind of specifically directed uh, at Wanya Morris and his status for this upcoming game. By the way, I'm disappointed that we haven't informally, informally christened the game this weekend, the Parker Thune Bowl. Can we go ahead and refer to it as such? Yeah, from now sure. On?
0: Well, I think they're going to put that logo at midfield, right? Yeah, I, a
4: caricature of you? Yes, this, for the remainder of my days, this is the game for which I will be remembered.
0: Yes, and I, the announcing crew, no doubt, uh, will mention that it is the Parker Thune Bowl, I'm i sure, hope so. at
4: the start of the telecast. Who's, who's on the call? Do we know?
0: Who would be your sponsor for the Parker Thune Bowl? <laughs> Ford Taurus. <laughs> brought to you Pre- by Bot- Ford brought Taurus. Brought to you by Preston. <laughs> brought to you by a 2004 Ford Taurus.
4: 2001, Steely.
0: 2001 Ford Taurus. Yeah, it's old, still it's old going enough to strong. drink. It doesn't need any fake ID. <laughs> Brian in Tulsa says, don't be a boomer-doomer, demons never win. Yes, I agree. And like I said, it's not that I don't think that Oklahoma's going to win And in, in a lot of the games, you know, I'll, it's not like I'll pick against Oklahoma, but in, immediately, for whatever reason, I start thinking, all right, what could go wrong in this game? Oh, my gosh. Why didn't they wait to fire Scott Frost? And guess what? Mickey Joseph is going to have the same players who haven't been able to tackle people or stop the run or do anything. Like I said, Nebraska's got a decent offense. They're moving the football. But their defense is an absolute sieve. I mean, they have not been good
4: at all. Yeah, look, there's really nowhere to go but up for Nebraska at this point. And so that does kind of leave you with some healthy concerns as to what they're going to look like this Saturday. And you have to believe that they're going to come out inspired. This is why it's so crucial, Mike, that the Sooners dictate the pace of the game early because you cannot let a team like Nebraska garner some early momentum, especially once that crowd gets into it. That's going to be a tough trend to reverse. You can afford to go scoreless for the first 29 minutes of the game on your home field yes. against a team like Kent State. You may not be able to get away you, with that against Nebraska. You will not Nebraska leave Lincoln, Lincoln with a
0: win. That would be a humiliating setback if that happens. But here's the deal. You and I think alike. You were at Brent's Presser because I was talking about it. I opened up the show saying, Oh, you needs to hit Nebraska right in the mouth right off the start. You don't want to give the 98-pound weakling you know any confidence <laughs> against the bully because Nebraska, they're ready to drop, fall over, hit the ropes, hit the canvas. If you land some big shots on them early, and yeah. if you go up fourteen to nothing, guess what? You might win forty-nine to uh, forty nine to fourteen, or 49-21 or worse. But at the same time, if you stumble and bumble and uh, you know use the Keystone Cops routine you did in the first half against Kent State, you could be going to the wire in Lincoln, Nebraska and uh, fighting for your life to escape there with a victory. Um, I like the one from the 918 who listened to the Nebraska uh, call-in show. Um, This is from Zane
4: in Tulsa. Hey, I listened to a couple of Nebraska podcasts last night, and one included Jessica Cootie, former Oklahoma Network reporter. They think Nebraska is going to be able to score against Oklahoma, and they believe they have the better quarterback. Hmm. Who – who
0: are they now? Jessica Coody is obviously part of that. I guess they're like beat writers, or obviously people who I follow Nebraska. So. I don't know if they got. To, are they saying that the coaches have said that to them privately? By the way, the only Nebraska media opportunity all week was the one today with Mickey Joseph. Yeah, apparently that's it. Yep, that's it. Well,
4: and that's kind of to be expected. That's very understandable in the aftermath of yeah. the firing of a coach, right? Because you don't want players getting grilled about the state of the locker room and their relationships with the basically you don't want to give them any opportunity to say something that the media is going to take and run with. And that's all too easy to do in the aftermath of a coach's firing. So yeah, I understand. I certainly get it. The fact that Nebraska hasn't made anybody say for Mickey Joseph available this week, but I think we're also going to be able to wait. wait, hold on, hold on. That's got to be just for the rest of the week. Because I, rem- I mentioned on the air yesterday that Marcus Buford, Nebraska defensive back, had met with a couple reporters and had said basically, hey, we played our worst game to date against Georgia Southern, and we still only lost by three points.
0: Was that yesterday, or was it the I, after yes. it no, that was the post yesterday. Game? Okay. Well, all I know is saw some Nebraska people talking about Mickey Joseph when his press conference was, hap- was happening. It was 1130 today, and that would be the only availability the rest of the week, so... Um, Who do you think has the better quarterback, OU or Nebraska?
4: Look, I'm a big Casey Thompson fan. Huge Casey Thompson fan. And You look back to what he did against this Oklahoma secondary a year ago. Casey Thompson did everything he could to lift Texas to victory in the Cotton Bowl. 448 yards and five touchdown passes without a turnover. That's about as well as you can conceivably play as a quarterback. So, I am all in on Casey Thompson. The thing is... I think what gives Dylan Gabriel the advantage and why I would be inclined to say Dylan Gabriel is because you look at the system that he's operating within and the skill pieces that he has at his disposal, it blows away the arsenal that Casey Thompson has at Nebraska. So though I think Casey Thompson is a tremendous quarterback, I give the edge to Dylan Gabriel because he is much better set up for success at Oklahoma than Thompson is at Nebraska.
0: Yeah, I mean the book's still being written on Dylan Gabriel. Uh, we we know what Casey Thompson is all about, and he's a he's a good quarterback. I know he's thrown three picks this year, but he's still made a lot of plays. He's run for uh, four touchdowns as well. Uh, Dylan Gabriel hasn't thrown one. He's been he was fortunate, I know on on one that wasn't picked, but uh, we don't know yet. I mean, we we don't know. The jury is still out. I think that, uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel has been, I don't know, I'd give him a B so far. Uh, he's missed some throws. Every quarterback's going to miss some. But I don't think we know that answer yet. If I had to pick one, if they said you can take one of the other right now, I'd probably go Casey Thompson. But, again, we've got to see more out of Dylan Gabriel. No but, doubt about it. From
4: the 580, why would Nebraska feel confident in having the better quarterback? They've had the better quarterback in every game this season, and they're 1-2. Fair point.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got to have a defense also. Um, you know, we'll find out. We will find out. Uh, let the season play out. Dylan Gabriel is still, again, so such a neophyte. Well, not in this offense. But, you know, in this situation, uh, playing at a school like Oklahoma. And, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll see. Let the season play out. I think both are good quarterbacks. All right, 405-651. 34 39. Somebody also said, Steelman, you are depressing as H E L And said, Do you think that, oh, you should just stay in Norman? You sound like a Debbie Downer. But he did misspell your improper usage there. Just saying. No, I think they, they should go and win the game. I'm just saying. I'm not taking it totally for granted. That's all. All right. Be right back. Home of Sooner fans, Steelman and Thune. Keep it right here. I just had to hear that play out a little bit. Huge Nirvana and Cobain fan. Welcome back, everybody. It is Tuesday. Mike Steele, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right. Any recruiting updates? They want to know uh, what's the latest on Jordan Renan, what Peyton Bowen, Ryan Yates, Colton Vosick. Here's we the recruiting
4: know? update that everybody wants to hear. Colton Vosick ain't going anywhere.
0: No problem whatsoever. No
4: elaboration required. Take that at face value. Colton Vosick's locked in. Colton so. Vosick is locked in. So, yes, that was, and credit to my colleague Brandon Drum uh, for publishing a very definitive report on Vasek this morning for our VIPs at ouinsider.com. But uh, yes, after a few conversations last night, I can tell you, and I can certainly corroborate what Brandon initially reported. Look, Vasek is not going anywhere, he is 100% locked in with Oklahoma. The rumors of a potential flip to Texas are nothing more than that. Rumors.
0: And again, we talked about this yesterday. This kid had a chance to watch Texas, Alabama in front of 105,000 people and got a chance to get a better vantage point. So, you know, why not take advantage of that, you know? Uh, So, but I I get why Sooner fans were a little bit, um, you know, worried about that. Uh, to Celia Kana, his visit, do we know anything visiting the horns? I
4: mean, he visited, but the, we have, the expectation haven't and, seen any commitment. Yeah. Still the expectation is that he is not going to be a Texas longhorn. He has a sister that plays volleyball at UT. Despite that, uh, the word for months and months, and we've talked about this on the show has been that Texas is not going to be the destination for Akana. That does not appear to have changed. He took the official visit because of his relationship with his sister, I would still be very, very surprised if Akana is a soon or is I'm sorry is a Longhorn at the end of the day. I think the kid's going to be a sooner, and he'll take his official visit to Oklahoma on October 15th.
0: Okay, and uh, Jordan Renard, we talked about this yesterday. Steve Wilfong crystal balled him to Alabama. You kind of compared that. We talked about well, if this is a horse race, maybe Bama's a, a, a couple links ahead down the stretch, but the, the stretch run is still happening. Uh, Do you still feel like that is the case, that Oklahoma's in the ball game, but maybe Bama has a slight lead?
4: Oklahoma's very much in it, and I think what's encouraging right now, if you're an OU fan, is that the Sooners are going to have the final say. They're going to send several members of the coaching staff to watch Renaud this Thursday evening. So they will get eyes on him, and he will get eyes on them. I'm sure the phone conversations will be extensive and ongoing over the next few days leading up to his announcement. So – I expect this to be very similar to the process that played out with Anthony Evans. That's not to say that it's 100% going to go OU's favor in the end. But I think as we get closer and closer to the decision, there's going to be more and more uncertainty as to where he lands. And I think the morning of, we're still not going to be 100% convinced or sure of where Jordan Renaud's going to commit to.
0: And that is happening next Monday for Jordan Renaud. It will feel... Really kind of strange if uh, the Sooners lose one of these recruiting battles because they haven't lost one in forever. And we thought uh, that Sooner fans were on the verge of you know, experiencing that feeling with Anthony Evans because all signs were, eh, Anthony Evans looks like he's going to Georgia, and guess what happened? Anthony Evans, Converse Judson, speedster wide receiver, picked Oklahoma on that Friday. Uh, That was the big day when the Sooners got uh, Macari Vickers and Anthony Evans. When it looked for a while, like maybe it would just be Vickers. So it it could be a – guess what? You don't win every recruiting battle. Now, the Sooners have won a bunch in a row, man. They have won a bunch of them. But, you know, particularly Alabama, you know, when you go head-to-head with Alabama, uh, it's kind of difficult to win a lot of those matchups. And OU fans certainly know the feeling of that when you talk about, you know, Kamar Wheaton and Jason McClellan and Julio Jones, OU was in the mix back in the day, wide receiver when Bama won that battle. So uh, a bunch of schools lose recruiting battles to Alabama. Um, All right, so we're going to hear some Brent Vittable's audio coming up. His press conference uh, wrapped up about 30 minutes ago. And that's where Parker was during the first couple segments of the show. This man—he's a hardworking man—and that Ford Taurus is still hanging in there. It's hanging in there, man. I mean, it can make the trip from campus to the Ref Studios. And uh, this this car is like it's—it's
4: it's older than Methuselah now, but it is still <laughs> going. By the way, Mike and Weatherford, shoot me a text, homie. Let's talk about that 03 Taurus you got.
0: There you go. Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, that uh,
4: I don't know. How many miles are on the Taurus now? Oh, on mine? About 184,000. Man. So she's getting up there. Yeah, but I mean, you're putting uh, like
0: 20,000 miles a month on that thing. It's basically you're headed to Kansas City or DFW, it seems like, every week. Yeah, pretty much. I do a crap ton of driving. You do. You do. And how do you entertain yourself? Listening to the Ref app, of course.
4: Oh, yes. Actually, quite frequently. If I am driving anywhere in that 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. window where Mm -hmm. we have live programming, I will be listening. If not, I'm usually on the phone making calls or I got the road trip playlists pumping.
0: There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is hour number one. Thank you, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Appreciate your sponsorship of our opening hour. We've got another award-winning hour on the way, maybe. So stick with us here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. Here we are, folks, Tuesday. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. Appreciate you being here. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, SUV, or a used vehicle. They'll give you a great price for your vehicle, and they have a tremendous selection at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Exit 72 right there in Paul's Valley. Great guarantee. Oil changes. Engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Hopefully, we can stay a little bit more on the clock uh, this hour. Um, I, I exhibited the time management skills of Nathaniel Hackett uh, during the first hour, which was
4: not very Steely. good. Steely, that's yes. just. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone exhibit the time management skills of Nathaniel Hackett. I mean... That was the worst crunch time coaching I have ever witnessed last night. You know what, guys? And it's not remotely close.
0: Let's just relax. We're setting up for the 64-yard field goal. Okay? No problem. Jeez. Yeah, that had to feel bad, man. If you're a Broncos fan, I saw George Stoyer's tweet. Oh, blank. They're going for the field goal.
4: Uh huh. <laughs> now I, I so Brandon Drum is a big Broncos fan, and he called me about ten minutes after the game ended. And my first words were, "What was that?" And he goes, "Yeah, I don't want to talk about it."
0: That that was crazy. That was crazy. So Russell Wilson, you know, goes back to Seattle as is- – Do the Seahawks fan, do they despise him like, oh, you fans despise Muleshoe? It's not at that level, right?
4: I don't know why you – like, how can you despise Russell Wilson? Here's the thing. These days, fans are petty, man. And I don't know if it's always been like this, and I'm just young and naive, but I cannot imagine watching a guy like that pour a decade of his life into your franchise – And then the second he goes elsewhere with no bad blood between him and the organization, at least not a Kevin Durant deal or a Shoe deal. No, it was look, he got traded. Okay. Seattle decided, you know what? It's time for us to move on from Russell Wilson. And then the second he's back in Seattle, you boo him. I don't understand the hate that a guy like Russell Wilson, who has always been a class act and did so much. For the city of Seattle, helping bring them their first Super Bowl title, would be subject to booze upon his return. Have some tact. Have some class. Fans, uh, they they don't have a
0: lot of that. We don't live in a civil society anymore. It's not like, I mean, look, I didn't expect him to applaud him or anything, but that's just, that's just the world we live in, man. I
4: kind of did, man. I kind of expected them to applaud. Again. Russell Wilson was the face of that franchise for a decade. And they won their first Super Bowl title with him as quarterback. Can yeah, you not he, acknowledge that? Can he not honor that?
0: He's a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? And he will go in as a Seahawk. And again, if they run Marshawn Lynch, he's got another Super Bowl ring. But no, they had to give it to Tom Brady, of course. By the way... Um, the the good thing about us here in the state of Oklahoma is we don't hold a grudge at all. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Durant comes back, the first he's greeted by a, a a dude in a cupcake costume as he comes out, you know, onto the floor, and uh, we don't hold grudges. Mule we one day will build a uh, a sewer in his name, like they did in Utah for Barry Switzer back in the day. I'm still holding on to that grudge tight, man. It's like you know. I fumbled the football at the goal line, and the coach told me, if you ever fumbled again, you're not playing. So that's I'm holding on that tightly to this grudge. I don't see it going away for a while. Okay, uh, Brent Venables, ladies and gentlemen, and the Sooners are a 12-point pick in Lincoln, 11 a.m. Saturday morning on Fox, Nebraska. A complete dumpster fire so far. Scott Frost out. Mickey Joseph in as the interim head coach of the Huskers. Mickey Joseph some history in the Oklahoma Nebraska series. The Sooners broke his leg in Norman in a Gary Gibbs led victory back over Nebraska at Owen Field. It was 91 and 92, I think, was the year. 91. What about 91 for Mickey yep. Joseph? Um, but we'll see if Nebraska can get a little uh, extra adrenaline going, maybe a little extra belief if they play well early in the game. Oklahoma is clearly the better football team, but you, it's college football, man. Here's what Brent Venable said about what he expects this weekend in Lincoln.
3: Yeah, I think I think people will be on edge, and uh, you know I think there'll be a lot of emotion in the stadium. I know this when I've had my back against. the the wall in in this profession I feel like I've always responded and I've shown I've the pressure has has brought out the best in me and so uh, that to me is what you'll see you know from a Nebraska team I think they've had 13 one score games in the last year and uh, they've got they've done a nice job recruiting good players they've got good schemes and you know they've Uh, First couple of games this year they've they've had some tough moments right at the end of the game you know it happens so uh, this is a team that's incredibly capable uh, talented uh, tough Uh, you know again good schemes put them in good position they got quality players on on both sides of the ball you know can play uh, with anybody we expect their best uh, expect a, a great atmosphere One that, you know, where they've circled the wagons and galvanized and play inspired, all of those things. Uh, That's what we expect.
0: There you go. Brent from his press conference uh, in the uh, last uh, 90 minutes or so talking about, again, they expect Nebraska to play a heck of a football game and be inspired in this matchup. Parker, we talked about it. If you're just joining us uh, here in our second hour, you know, the key for Oklahoma, you know, go play your game because you're the better football team. The only way you lose this game is Nebraska starts playing better defense, you help out that defense. Maybe you turn it over some. Oklahoma's offensive line cannot have the kind of performance it had in the first half against Kent State. Maybe Wanya Morris being back is going to help that cause. I mean, there's a reason he was in there as a starter before he got suspended. So maybe that will uh, create a lot better situation, obviously, on the offensive line. But if you can go in there and make a statement early against a team that is teetering, a program – that doesn't have a lot of belief right now, even though apparently all those players really like Mickey Joseph quite a bit. But you've got a chance to knock them out early in this game. Um, but the pro- I think Sooner fans are a little bit leery just because of what they saw in the first half last
4: week especially. As they should be. Yeah. Again, as I said in the first hour, against Kent State, on your home field, you can get away with going scoreless for the first 29 minutes and change. In Lincoln, against a team like Nebraska, you're not going to be able to get away with starting that slow. You're just not. And so, and look, listening to Jeff Lebby yesterday, he took full responsibility for it in his press conference. He said, hey, look, I should have adjusted better. That's on me. Those first four drives, that's not indicative of the type of offense that we're going to be this season. And you trust a guy on when he says that. And Look, everybody's still figuring things out. That's what non-conference play is for. Well, right? Levy so,
0: was basically saying maybe he was too stubborn just trying to keep running the football.
4: Exactly. Bingo. He he wanted to establish the run, and he said, look, I should have just let Dylan Gabriel throw the ball. I should have been content to air it out instead of continually trying to establish the run game when it just wasn't clicking for us at that point. And eventually things did start clicking, both on the ground and through the air for Oklahoma, and they poured it on in the second half. But... You can't show up for a half in this type of Im- environment. You can't. Now, there there may be some that hear that statement and say, "Okay, Nebraska is not a good football team." Sure, you can play a good half and you can still expect to escape Lincoln with a victory. While that may be true in the most technical sense, do you really want to take that chance against a team that's entering its first contest under an interim head coach? facing its most historic and fabled rival, and is going to have a quarterback at the helm who has more motivation to beat OU than anybody? Do you really want to take that chance in Lincoln on Saturday? No. You'd like to come out and see the Sooners play four quarters of solid, consistent football. Nebraska is
0: nationally... One hundred and twenty fourth in total defense. They're giving up four hundred and ninety two yards a game. Their problem's been obviously on that side of the football. They're they're pretty decent on on the offense. Again, they are twenty fourth in total offense. They average four hundred and ninety two yards a game total offense. So they're same number what they average on offense and what their defense gives up. Casey Thompson's had a pretty good year. 64% of his passes, four touchdowns, three picks. He's run for four scores. They've got a good back in Anthony Grant, but they haven't been able to stop anybody. And again, Georgia Southern with Clay Helton at the helm went for 642, a new record for a Nebraska opponent inside uh, Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. So that defense is uh, ripe to be taken advantage of. Uh, what do you think realistically Nebraska can score on this Sooner defense? What would be a what would be the amount that you would say that would be a good day for Nebraska if they really played well? Um, what do you think that number would be? Thirty-one is that too high? What are you thinking
4: for Nebraska to give themselves a chance in this game? I think they're going to have to hold Oklahoma under thirty points. And you're probably going to have to force a turnover or two. You're not, you're not going to win this game if you don't generate turnovers. And this is kind of the most basic recipe for any underdog, right? Yeah. You slow the game down, you make the opponent play at your pace, and you got to be opportunistic. Whatever that looks like, you have to be opportunistic. And so for Nebraska, that's probably going to come in the form of punching out a fumble. Or stepping in front of a Dylan Gabriel pass. They're going to have to turn the Sooners over once or twice if they want to be able to establish the type of early momentum that's going to get the crowd fired up and going to get everybody in that stadium believing that the Huskers can take down Oklahoma.
0: I'm with you. I am with you. All right, by the way, I'm going to be out at Ricky Stapleton Autos on Thursday. And that is off 24th and Main, right over by Hobby Lobby. Ricky's a friend of mine, went to high school together, super trustworthy, really good dude. He's going to give you a great, great deal on any of his vehicles over there. Uh, He's the kind of guy you can trust. I mean, Ricky was the guy in high school that, you know, everybody liked because he's very trustworthy. And here's what he's going to do on Thursday. They're going to bring out Lucky's Food Truck. Uh, this was from the same guy who ran Ron's Burgers in Edmund for years and years and years and years. Lucky's Food Truck is going to be on site this Thursday, noon to 2. I will be out there. little pregame Nebraska kickoff party. Come on out. Get some food from uh, Lucky's Food Truck. Have a good time. Come say hello. Look at some of the vehicles on the lot. You'll have a great time. That's coming up Thursday, again, noon to 2, right here on the program, as I will be out there at Ricky Stapleton Autos. Break time right here. Coming back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. All of your texts. Keep them rolling in. We appreciate them, folks. And we'll get to them next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Paul's Valley. 72 is the exit number for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. From the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Great selection of used vehicles over there. They're going to give you a great deal for your trade-in as well at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Parker, you're tuned in to all things Nebraska. What do you think? If uh, Nebraska fans had their realistic wish for the next head coach, who do you think they'd like to get? Mark Stoops?
4: Man, it's weird. Bill O'Brien? it's weird right now because there are three names – there are three names Matt Campbell? that I have heard from among from amongst fans more so than any others. Three names. Okay. Two of them you'd kind of expect, right? Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien. There's a large faction that want Urban Meyer, man. Really? Like that's a real know, thing. Jeez. Ah, it's kind of like if,
0: if you it, want to win the press conference and create a splash, but I don't know.
4: To me, Urban Meyer. You Myers, have to have more self respect than that as a program. Yeah. You have to.
0: I mean, you're in the state of Nebraska. You're in the heartland sort of of America. You've got a moral compass there, right? Parker carries around a moral compass in his pocket, and it's always pointed to do the right thing. Urban Meyer is not
4: that guy. You know, here's, here's the comparison I would make, Steely. I feel as though Nebraska. Or I feel as though Urban Meyer would go over at Nebraska the way that Howard Schnellenberger went over at Oklahoma.
0: Buffoonery, yes. But Urban, is he drinking Jim Beam every day? I mean, I. Mm. He didn't make the best decision there when I he, listen when he was in that. Listen, uh, based
4: on what was going bar. on in that boat,
0: mm.
4: and based no, on what was going on in the bar.
0: No, no. no. There was a naked guy in there doing a bong hit. And it looked an like tur- he was offering Urban
4: a bong hit, too. <laughs> I mean. So clearly, Come Urban's on. not hanging out with the most wholesome crowd. Do you hear what Brent Venable says?
0: Everything matters. Everything matters. Urban Meyer, if you're on a. Yeah, well, hang go. on. I got to do this live shot. Put the weed away, will you? Yeah, I feel real <laughs> good. Uh, you know, Big Ten football. Oh
2: my
4: gosh,
0: he's
2: naked. No, no. Here's what we know is that
4: if Urban Meyer ever did become the head coach at Nebraska, General Booty would be on portal watch.
0: (laughs) That's right. Absolutely right. Okay. uh, Mark Stoops, again, winning his coach in Kentucky football history. Now, you know, well, Kentucky football. I mean, the guy has done, name me a coach in college football over the last decade that has done a better overall job than Mark Stoops. You could say Nick Saban, but Nick Saban's got all the athletes. And that, look, recruiting is a big part of it. But it's kind of like when you look at Bill Snyder, what he did with Kansas State, the Manhattan Miracle, to a program that was playing road games so they could keep the program financially afloat, right, to being within a – Stopping Sir Parker on a touchdown run in the Big 12 championship from getting to play for the national championship. So, Mark Stoops has done an unbelievable job. If you're Mark Stoops, would you leave Kentucky for Nebraska? Would it have to be a significant pay upgrade? I, You know, because,
4: I don't know, man. Here's, here's the deal, Steely. His situation right now at Kentucky is so devoid of pressure because as long as you're winning 8 9 games a year at Kentucky you're doing a phenomenal job. And guess what? If there comes a year where you're not winning 8 9 games and you're scuffling and sitting around 500, yeah. that November rolls around, it's basketball season, nobody cares anymore.
0: You know, my Mark Stoops uh, has so much equity right now in that program, he could go 6 and 6, 7 and 5 or whatever for 7 or 8 years. Right? Because he's done such a good job there. Um, just a phenomenal job, no doubt about it. All right, Air Coverage Solutions text line 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439.
4: I've been hearing Neon Dion rumors, says one listener. That would be intriguing. And I tell you, based on what Dion Sanders has been able to do at Jackson State as mm-hmm. a recruiter, yeah. if you can convince him to make the trek up to Nebraska – and be the next head coach, that intrigues me.
0: That that is intriguing. That yes. Intrigues that me. might be something really special or it could be a oh, wow. Yeah. And
4: look, it's not substantially harder to recruit to Lincoln, Nebraska than it is to an FCS school in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. So I Oh man, I it's a risky hire. It is because Dion doesn't have a whole heck of a track record. As a coach, but man, if you're willing to lay it all on the line and you're willing to cut a pretty significant check mm-hmm. and just push all your chips the middle for the sake of your program, I don't hate that hire, man. I don't hate it.
0: It would be very interesting to see how that played out, no doubt about it. Uh, from the 580, Steely say San Diego is San Diego, wherever we play, San Diego. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, that would be very interesting. Um, Here's my problem with Nebraska, though. Nebraska is not coming back to its old status. It's not happening. Can Nebraska rise up and have some great teams and win the Big Ten and maybe be in the playoff occasionally? That's possible. But Nebraska is not coming back to Bob Devaney, Tom Osborne, Nebraska. I just don't see that happening. And I don't know, Parker, do you? And Do you think – I mean, you were talking about Nebraska was – every year, Nebraska, that's one of the teams you look at, they could win a national championship.
4: Look, and I know these days, OU Texas is is as big as it gets for OU fans, but there was a time where OU Nebraska wasn't just the biggest rivalry for Oklahoma. It was the biggest rivalry in college football. There were perennial national title implications on the line. You had three games of the century – yeah, these teams were top ten programs, if not top five programs, every single year when they met. So this rivalry has so much history, and Nebraska as a program has so much history that, yes, I do think it can be restored to its former glory, but it's going to take the right coach. And, the, and quite frankly, Nebraska has not had the right coach for close to two decades now. Bo Frank Pellini Solich was had winning, some success. Frank Solich did, yeah. Frank, Frank Solich had some success in the immediate aftermath of Tom Osborne's retirement, and Bo Pelini won there, but he hit the ceiling.
0: It's and- a, yeah. It's kind of like they thought. You know, we got to find somebody to take it to the next step. You're right. And now it's kind of like, man, Bo Bellini's record
4: looks pretty yeah, well, good, doesn't it? That's the reason why a lot of folks are now nostalgic for the halcyon days of Bo Bellini's because the ceiling under Bo was a lot higher than the ceiling under yeah. Mike Riley and Scott Frost has been.
0: Yeah. Man, I, Scott Frost seemed like a, a good hire because it made sense. He was a red-hot uh, offensive coordinator. Then he became, you know, they did a great job at UCF. He's a Husker at heart, family with all those roots. I know he played initially at Stanford, but he he came to Nebraska, led them to a national championship. It looked like a great hire, but it just didn't. It didn't work. Period. I mean, it it didn't work big time. All caps didn't work.
4: Per Kyle and Broken Bow. Trev Alberts was spotted having lunch with Caleb Williams' dad and Deion Sanders <laughs> at the Lincoln Papa John's. My cousin just sent me a yeah, pickup. Oh, man. You
0: know, you never know. Matt Rule to Nebraska from the 405. If Matt Rule, you know – well, first of all, here's the problem. Matt Rule, that season plays out too long. You need a coach in place, right, by the December signing period?
4: yeah. And well, and the question—unless you've got a handshake
0: agreement with him—or,
4: but I don't see how that plays out. Well, and if Matt Rule is say one in six,
0: or if the yeah, if Carolina fires Matt Rule, yeah, or
4: yeah, I just don't know that Matt Rule in twenty nineteen that's a phenomenal hire. In twenty twenty two, I'm not as sure, just because his star is not as high as it once was. And so, can he have the type of immediate? impact in terms of turning around this program that he would have had had Nebraska brought him on two, three years ago.
0: Yeah. The the luster has gone off his star doesn't shine uh, as much as it used to, but Matt Rule may just be one of those guys that's a better coach for college football.
4: And that could we'll be, see. that could yeah. absolutely be. But then again, you can say the same about Urban Meyer. And so if that's the direction you want to go, it seems as though Nebraska fans want Urban Meyer more so than anybody else from the NFL ranks.
0: I just, uh, I would have liked to have been there to see the actual part. I One of the s- stories many written about Urban Meyer's disastrous time in Jacksonville was the time when he just walked by the kicker, kicked the kicker in the ass, and said, start making your kicks, dip. Burp. That's Urban Meyer right there. I don't know, but I can see uh, why there was some thought, you know, when Urban Meyer first got on the desk at Fox – well, he's up there with Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner because he's going to be the next coach at USC, right? And then he was going to go to Texas, and Urban Meyer, as long as he's out there, he's going to be a name that is going to be associated with any big head coaching job opening that comes up in college, not in the NFL now. Much like Bob Stoops. Yes. Hey, Bob Stoops and Lincoln. No, he's, he's, no shot. he's a Sooner man, program guy, no doubt. All right, break time right here. Mike Steely, Parker Thune. More texts on the way, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. That is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll hear from Husker coach Mickey Joseph. Does Nebraska have a losing culture? And talking about the matchup with Oklahoma next, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref. Live in the Nebraska football facility right now as the cheerleaders are holding... A uh, very special get-together for Mickey Joseph, the new interim coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. All right, welcome back. Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Mickey Joseph, the interim coach for the Huskers, who's had some experience in the Oklahoma-Nebraska series, recruited by the Sooners back in the day. From Louisiana, right? Vance Joseph's uh, brother. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, Vance is the defensive coordinator now at Arizona. But, yeah. Yeah, same family. So, Mickey Joseph had his leg broken in the Oklahoma-Nebraska game. He was a quarterback for the Huskers, lost to a Gary Gibbs-led OU team on Owen Field that day back in 1991. Uh, Part of his press conference today, one of the reporters said, well, we talked to so-and-so the other day, and uh, I can't remember who the player was. Uh, And they didn't name the player in the press conference, uh, but said – one of the players said that one of the problems is Nebraska has a losing culture and Mickey Joseph was asked about that does Nebraska have a losing culture
2: we haven't been winning here okay but I wouldn't say it's a losing culture because I, um, a losing culture is kids that don't come to work you know now these kids don't playing in a lot of tight games you know I don't I don't think they've ever been blown out they're playing a lot of tight games so now we got to figure out how to get them over the hump you know, how to get her a hump, and then I got to do a better job with with the players before they go to interviews and make comments like that. (laughs) Wow. I've
0: got to shut the
2: players up. (laughs) Who
0: was that dude? Uh, Mickey. Was, that's kind of what I wondered, too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what, what player <laughs> yeah. says that?
4: What yeah, right. player's like, yeah, we don't have a winning
0: culture here. <laughs> Can you imagine how much time that player would get in the Stairmaster with Jerry Schmidt? Or oh, gosh, gone? Mickey he Joseph gone? better
4: never find out. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's exactly right. Here's Mickey Joseph talking about the matchup with Oklahoma.
2: First, well, opportunity that I think our, our kids, you know, they're welcome, you know, and, and we, we're going to prepare for OU and, and Get a, get a game plan together, you know, to, to, to try to beat them. But we understand that we respect everything they do. Fennel was a really good coach. Um, I went against him when he was at Clemson. He's a really good defensive coordinator, and now he's a head coach. So, I know, you know, some of the things that they was doing on defense, they're going to do when they're at Clemson. So, we understand that. But it's a big opportunity for the players, and I think they're excited.
3: What's jumped out about OU and their
2: first two wins?
3: When you look at them on film, just the first two wins.
2: They're a solid football team. They, they they play really good defense, they solid in special teams, and they're really good on offense. That's about as generic as it gets right there.
4: That's yeah, true, but when was the last time you heard any opposing coach shout out OU's special teams? Yeah, well that's true. Awesome. I'm pretty true. sure Marvin Mims and I I don't have the data in front of me, but I'm pretty sure on one punt return last week, Marvin Mims had more return yards than OU did all season a year ago.
0: Yeah. They're actually returning kicks. Which is pretty amazing. All right, air coverage solutions, text line, 405 651 3439. 405 651 3439.
4: From a listener in the 740, do you know where that is, Steely? Because I don't. I don't know. I can go ahead and Google it up. Hey, I know that you guys have basically already moved on to the Nebraska game, but something that bothered me towards the end of the game when we played Kent State was that when we were trying to kill the clock, Bevel didn't kneel down. And then on the next play, the defensive lineman took it out on our offensive lineman, and I was just like, "Kneel on the ball already!" I don't know. It just frustrated me, and I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Thanks. I'll be honest. I didn't even realize that happened, and I was kind of on my I was on my way towards the Oklahoma tunnel at that point to get post game pictures hmm. as a guy walked off as the guys walked off the field. So I didn't take notice of that. It hasn't. Is yeah, not that something that's been talked that about either. by the coaches and the players since, so I would imagine it's all water under the bridge, whatever it was. Put but General yeah. Booty on there and he'll kneel
0: down, I can tell you that. All right. By the way, that is uh, somewhere in Ohio. What? 740.
4: Oh, okay. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a Kent State fan.
0: Could be. Maybe. Probably not. Well, and then
4: They're yeah. upset with Kent State. Never mind. They're not yes. a Kent State fan. But uh, interesting. The state of Ohio... I always look forward every single day during the 2 o'clock hour to Tyler telling us where all they're listening from yes. because we have a a very diverse audience in terms of geography here Bri- on the Ref Sports Here's Radio.
0: one. Brian Harson to Nebraska. Does Josh Heupel show any interest in the Nebraska job? Now, Josh, Josh is doing a nice job at Tennessee.
4: Yeah, Tennessee is going to keep Josh around, yeah. too. If there ever came a moment where he started to waver a little bit and maybe showed interest in another job, I feel as though Tennessee would pony up the requisite cash uh, to keep him around because what he's done there in just two seasons has been fantastic. That program was in dire straits yeah. Yeah. when he took that job, and I remember thinking when he took that job, I'm like, Oh yeah, gosh! I, I t- thought the same thing. Like, oh, good Josh. luck, dude.
0: Good luck. That's, like that's it's a tough one right there.
4: You're really betting on yourself yeah. when you take a job like that because that's the kind of that's the kind of gig that can bury you as a coach.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. By the way. Here's a a name for you. Would be a short move, by the way. What happens if Lance Leipold keeps winning at Kansas? Because you know what? That guy's coaching his ass off right now.
4: Did I mention him yesterday? I can't remember if you did. I firmly believe that the call Nebraska should make, if I'm Trev Alberts, the first guy I'm on the phone with is not Bill O'Brien. It is not Matt Campbell. It is Lance Leipold. That guy has been
0: unbelievable.
4: And I don't know if folks understand this. But Lance Leipold spent 14 years in the state of Nebraska as an assistant coach at Doan University, mm-hmm. at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, where he was mm-hmm. head coach for, no, he wasn't head coach, but he was OC for quite a while. And he spent three years on staff at Nebraska from 01 to 03 under Frank Solich. So he knows the territory. And it's interesting. Like, I was, so, you know, I went up to see PJ Atabari on Friday night. And at the game, Ran into a kid on the sideline that I hadn't seen in quite a while. And uh, I covered him a little bit as a recruit uh, when he was in high school, but he now plays at the University of Kansas. And he told me, I, I got to asking him about how he liked it at KU and uh, what the fit was like under Leipold. And he told me, man, he's so intense, but we love him. And he is changing that culture. He is transforming KU football. And that's a yeah. hard place no to doubt. get people believing in the football program. But he's doing it.
0: It and, wouldn't be a sexy hire, but you know what? It might be a tremendous hire.
4: Well, and the, the sexy hire was Scott Frost mm-hmm. in 2017. And yeah. look where that got you as a program. Yeah. So maybe it's time to quit thinking about what the sexy hire is and start thinking about, what the most holistic hire is. And in my mind, that's Lance Leipold. Look at last
0: year again. They made some progress. Probably should have beaten Oklahoma. They did win at Texas, and we all joke about that, but that's a a heck of a win for Kansas to go do what they did. I know Texas was struggling, but still, any time Kansas beats Texas, it's very enjoyable, and that's monumental to that program. But for them to do what they've done so far, again, under him, he is very, very much... Uh, impressing everybody because, like I said, when you look at Kansas football, you're like, "Man, you could," you know, Mark Mangino. He's the, maybe he's the next Mark Mangino. You was remember?
4: He? You remember a couple months ago when I told you, "Hey, Kansas could win five games this year." Did I laugh? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. No, listen, it's, it's understandable. a smirk. Did it's I laugh or smirk? Was you, it-, you, it was more? Of, it was more of a smirk. Okay. okay, but no, like I I believe in what Lance Leipold is doing, and his players do too, man. I think if he doesn't end up taking a bigger job, he is going to have Kansas back to perennial bowl eligibility. I don't know how high the ceiling is in a place like that, realistically speaking. I don't know that we're ever going to see a scenario again where they rip off 12 wins in a season and are in national title contention down the stretch the way they did in 07 under Mark mm-hmm. Mangino. But Kansas is a place where if you play your cards right, especially in the Big 12, you can be a bowl team every year, and every so often you can crank it up a notch and you can win eight, nine, even ten games. That's what I expect Lance Leipold to do long term at Kansas because I think he is the right coach for that job, and I think he would be a fantastic hire at Nebraska and one of those guys that could legitimately transform a downtrodden program.
0: Yeah, I, I've just been so impressed with what he's done, man. That's that's one of the toughest jobs in college football. And so far he's he's knocking it out of the park there. All right, get a break right here. Steel man and thune at noon. One more segment coming up. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group at Pauls Valley. We've got more texts on the way. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. You know what my favorite text of the weekend was? Just Johnny Manziel tweeting out, brutal. a and falling to Appy State was quite fun. Be right back.